Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada, and today's episode of Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. And we're going to be looking at the issue of modern idolatry, or idolatry in general today. Uh, but we want all of our viewers to know that you can uh, see Truth and Life Today on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, on iTunes, or online at backtothebible.ca. And if you want to know everything about Back to the Bible and our many ministries, uh, you can go to backtothebible.ca or to offer a gift of support. Uh, today, John, welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you here again today. And we've been going through so many incredible uh, questions and issues of faith. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about persecution of yeah. Christians. Uh, we talked about the very real issue of poverty. And today we're going to be talking about idolatry. And, and uh, probably maybe when I first say that, people are wondering, where, where are they going to go with that? Because yeah. I'm not sure if it's relevant to me or not. But I think it's very relevant, isn't it? I do too. I think idolatry is one of the central issues of today. Always has been yeah. and will always be the, one of the central threats to the believer. So let's, let's go right off the top. Uh, I think you have a, a wonderful sort of a, a checklist for to make sure that you know whether something is an idol or not. And you know, it comes out of, uh, when I first heard it, was your Habakkuk series. Yeah. And uh, so I, I commend that series to people that are, that are watching. But uh, tell me about idolatry. How do you identify it? You know, a, a lot of people in our culture will identify idolatry as that thing in your life that you can't live without. So if that thing is taken away from you, you've lost your reason for living. So because only God should be the reason for our living. Anything that is, is greater than God is, we, at least so many people said, is an idol. And that's how we use idolatry today. I know it's a sin to allow anything to become more unpopular than God, but I'm not sure that that's the biblical definition of idolatry. So let's, you know, let's just walk through that one step at a time and let's have this conversation. I mean, we know that the second of the Ten Commandments is the command that forbids us from making a graven image, which is an idol, um, made to look in any form at all. And later in Deuteronomy, we're told why, because we, you saw no form, says Moses, when God approached you on the mountain. There was no form. So don't make a form of God, because the form is not a representation of God. So what we have here is the creation of something that is not God and telling people that this thing that is not God is God. I mean, that's ultimately idolatry. Now, as you work your way through the scripture, you keep finding passages. Habakkuk talks about the idols that men have made. And everywhere you talk about idolatry, it's always the work of men's hands. Uh, so I've got a passage before me, which is Jeremiah, which is a well-known passage. And he talks about you know, the, the vanity of the customs of the idol makers. You know, they, they, they cut a, a piece of wood from the forest and they, they, they make it and they decorate it with silver and gold, but they have to nail it down because it's gonna fall over. See, he's, he's mocking the idol makers. Man, you just gotta make this thing just so, otherwise it keeps on tipping over. How embarrassing is it that your God is continually falling down? But then he says something. He says in, in I'm reading Jeremiah 10, 5, their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. Mm. And, and that's a very important image because the idol is the creation of men. So always every definition of idol is something that we make. And then what we make, we call God. And then we trust in that thing to save us in the hour of trial or the hour of danger. 
So we make something, we call that thing that we've made God, and then when the day of disaster comes, we put our faith in that thing. The reason why it's a, a, a scarecrow in a cucumber field is that birds that come to, you know, to eat in a cucumber field will see the scarecrow there, yeah. and they'll say, oh no, that person will, will hurt me, so I, I have to fly away. But of course, the scarecrow can't do anything. The only power that the scarecrow has is in the, the bird's belief system. Okay. What idolatry always is, it's about what we believe in. So in the ancient world, people had more idols than you could shake your stick at, and they weren't always the most important thing in their lives. Yeah. It's always, I'm trusting in this idol to help me when I'm on a journey. I'm trusting in this idol to help me when I'm trying to get my wife pregnant. It's the idol of fertility. I'm trusting in this idol when I've got a business now and I'm trying to make money. I mean, you have idols for everything and all of these idols that we create are supposed to save us in the day of disaster. So what we need to say is that anything that we trust in other than the Lord our God to save us is an idol. Problem is that many of the idols that we create are actually not physical ones, but they're in our actual intellect, in our mind. Yeah. So we create an image of God that is not the God of Scripture, not the God to be feared, but we begin to worship the God that we actually believe in. You know, you and I were talking about this whole thing of in, in AA. I think it's the second point of AA, although I'm not sure about that. But it says that we are, you know, put my trust in God as I understand Him. Yeah. Every biblical Christian just recoils in shock and says, you're asking me to worship an idol. Because that's what an idol is. It's the God as I understand Him. It's the God as I create Him. It's the image that I make and call this image God. Anytime that I conceive of God other than He is. This is idolatry and offense to God's abomination. We need to worship the God that actually is, that has revealed himself objectively, not subjectively, objectively in Scripture. How does that work itself out in our modern day? What does that look like? What are the idols that we're facing today? Yeah, I think a lot of the idols that we face are the idols that I might say to you, I've always thought that God is just inclusive of everyone. That's just how I understand him. That's the God I know and love. Hmm. It's an idol. It's an idol, it's just straight up. We need to call it what it is. It's an abomination of the one true God. So, you know, it was Kelvin I know that said, the human heart is an idol factory. We produce gods by the bucket load. Yeah. I mean, we have one conception of God after another, and then we have another, you know, one object that I say, this object will save me. You know, and here's an easy one. A lot of people have amulets around their necks and all sorts of things, rings that they wear, candles that they put on their table, and they're supposed to ward off evil or give good vibrations to people. That's an idol, because you're trusting in that rather than the God who exists. And any time you misplace your trust and refuse to put your trust in Him who lives forever and ever, yeah, yeah. you're an idolater. Yeah, and it is interesting. I've seen it multiple times where I've seen someone with uh, a necklace on, and they have all these symbols, and you have a Star of David, you have the cross, yeah. you have all these different things. <laughs> Covering my base. Yeah, just in case, you know, just in case I don't get the right one, at least something's hanging around my neck. Yeah, and that's what idols do. They cover the bases. You know, in case, that's why when Paul is in, in Athens, you remember his, 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 his heart is provoked because of the idols in that city. Okay. You know, it was said of ancient Athens that you're more likely to run into an idol than you're to run into a person. There were more idols than the actual population of Athens. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. 
And in the middle of all of those, they had an idol to an unknown God. So what's that all about? We might have missed one of our bases and left ourselves vulnerable in an area. So let's at least acknowledge this, whatever deity this might be. And that's the idea. We deify things that human hands have made, our own ideas of God, and then we trust. And of course, all of the idols fail in the end because the day of disaster comes and the ultimate day of the disaster is judgment day. No idol will be able to save you before the wrath of the one who sits on the throne. So, you know, and somebody says, well, I don't believe in an angry God. Right, that's because you believe in an idol. That's what we want to keep saying. And, and the point is that whenever we take our eyes off of God who has revealed himself in the pages of Scripture. And so that's why there are a lot of conceptions of God that people find difficult. When I taught Habakkuk, you know, the idea is that God uses even evil for his own purposes. I've had someone say to me, I don't believe in a God like that. Yeah. My response is, well, the only question is, did God, the one that truly exists, reveal himself that way? Uh, I remember hearing Oprah say, I don't believe that God is jealous. Well, my question is, did God reveal himself? Well, no, Oprah says, I would like a God who's not jealous of his glory. Yeah, because we feel more comfortable with gods that we can control. And so that's, that we create what our own hands have made, and this is a God I'd feel comfortable with. And then I fall down and worship, and when the day of trouble comes, I say, oh, deliver me. But of course, the idol can't because it doesn't exist. So correct me if I'm wrong, but so idols are those things that would distract you from who God really is, perhaps? Uh, they're a substitute for, the, okay. for who God really is. But is it possible to have good things in your life that are idols that distract you from who God is. You know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, yes. And, and the question always is, do, can we allow good things to become idols? I think that's what okay. you're saying, right? And, and I suppose they can be because, I mean, the, there's nothing wrong with a statue, for yeah. instance. Yeah. But it's applying and it's, it's, it's putting, it's putting God-like uh, attributes onto that statue and say it represents the one true God. That's the mm -hmm. problem. So, you know, you and I can do the, the, the same thing with, you know, a person, let's say, going to AA might say, I, I need to believe that there's something greater than myself because I'm fighting my alcoholism and if I'm just relying on myself, it's not good enough. Yeah. That's right. It's true. Yeah. And so it is true that you need to rely on something greater than yourself. The great danger is that you can allow that, which is a natural human inclination. I need something greater than myself. I can't survive. What will save me? That's all good. But if in the end I say, you know, then therefore I should create that thing, that's inherently bad. Yeah. Now, idolatry can be an ongoing struggle, I think. All uh, of our lives. We, are, we have to protect ourselves from that. So how do we identify something as being an idol? One of the things that we need to do is come to terms with our own sin and recognize that according to our sinful inclinations, God will always seem offensive to us. But of course, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit changes my heart so that, you know, the things that I find hateful about God, I find now a delight. Yeah. So that God creates all things for His glory and not mine. My, my sinful inclination says, no, no, for my glory, not your glory, God. And what does it take to actually fall down before the one who lives forever and say, for your glory I live and move and have my, I mean, it's for you. Um, that I find hateful until the Holy Spirit helps me to find delight in the one true God and says, every piece of worth that you and I have in ourselves is because we're a reflection of him who lives forever. Hmm. You know, so that's worship as opposed to idolatry. So the best antidote for idolatry is worship. 
You know, it seems like there's a recurring theme in all of our conversations. And that's with all of these things, whether we, our perspective of persecution or poverty or idolatry or, or, or next time we come together, we're going to be talking about evangelism. It really comes down to prioritizing God as first. Always. It always is. You can't have... I, it's, it's been said so wonderfully by people in the past, but if you want to determine anyone's spiritual future, anyone's future, the most important question that we can ask is, tell me what comes to your mind when you think about God. And once that person declares what comes to his mind or her mind when she thinks about God, that determines someone's future. So if what comes to our mind is the one, the everlasting one, with all the attributes that are declared in Scripture, if that's what comes to mind, what a great future that we have. So that, yeah, that's, that's the key issue of anybody's life. What do you think about when you, come, when you think about God? That's fantastic, John. Thanks so much for... Uh, being with us today and talking about modern idolatry. And uh, we look forward to uh, uh, more opportunities in the future. In fact, next time we meet together, we'll be talking about evangelism in today's culture. Thanks so much. Thank you. We hope you're enjoying the new Truth in Life Today show with Dr. John Newfeld. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode each week. But we want you to be involved in the show. To submit your own personal questions to Dr. John, you can email us at info at backtothebible.ca or find us on Facebook by searching Truth in Life Today.